Welcome today. As my dad David shares from his heart, this short biblically-based devotional. David is a speaker, author, former pastor, songwriter, and founding director of Youth with the Mission Montana. He is also the author of the song In Moments Like These. This song appropriately describes this podcast, and I know his message will be encouraging to you. I've had the pleasure of sharing many memorable moments with some very fine people in my lifetime. The ministry, with its variety of assignments, has created endless opportunities for me to meet with countless numbers of folks from all walks of life. Whether I was hanging out with members of my church family here at home, speaking in front of thousands in much larger churches elsewhere, teaching in front of many YWAM schools abroad, or simply sharing moments at a dinner table with friends here in Montana or somewhere else in the world. In the late fall of 1992, I had been invited to the Windy City, as it's called, to speak before a group of college-age people for most of a weekend who were gathered in a church in the outskirts of Chicago. And it was great spending time with a really sweet gang of enthusiastic Jesus followers. And they really got going when I spoke to them about Jesus' Father and their Father. There were teardrops that weekend, and there was joy. These moments were so worth the trip. When all was over and we gave our goodbye hugs, I was taken downtown where I would check into my hotel for my last night in Chicago. And it was there at the hotel that I met up with two special friends, Bruce Osterink and Gary Lyons. They had driven together from Grand Rapids, Michigan earlier that day, so the three of us could share in a memorable evening together before the three of us would head home the next morning. After catching up over a great meal at one of the city's famous restaurants, we took a very short taxi ride to the United Center for a night of basketball. And it wasn't to be an ordinary night of basketball. On that night, my two friends and I would be the guests of two more friends of mine, June Jackson and her husband, Phil, the legendary head coach of the Chicago Bulls. We would be sitting in the Jackson family section at courtside, just one row back. It was pretty surreal meeting up with these friends and watching such an entertaining event. I'm sitting in my chair next to June while looking up at Michael Jordan shooting and chewing gum at the same time, only a few feet away from me. Most of all, it was fascinating watching Coach Phil at work, leading his boys to yet another NBA championship. I was first introduced to Phil and June Jackson in 1974, I believe. It was during the first few years that I was the assistant pastor under Hal Curtis at the Little Brown Church in Big Fork, Montana. At the time, Phil was still playing basketball for the world champion New York Knicks, and during the offseason, during the early summer months, he and June would spend time at their home in our Flathead Valley. Mutual friends had invited Phil and June to the Little Brown Church for a Sunday service, and subsequently they started attending on a regular basis when they were in Montana. I think they were somewhat captivated by Hal's most intelligent and anointed messages. 
When I first met the Jacksons, and before I knew who they were, I was taken back with how tall Phil was. At six foot eight, he was the tallest man in church by far. He wore a nice smile on his face, and soon I would find him to be a very deep-thinking individual. We had the Jacksons over to our house for a barbecue once, and they had us over to their place once or twice. But Phil's enormous and soon-to-be year-round responsibilities in the world of coaching would prevent the Jacksons from visiting Montana very often. And so, we wouldn't be seeing them much more after that. It was probably meant to be, but it was during a couple times around a campfire with Phil and a few other folks that I learned a bit about what was going on inside Phil. We weren't on the same page about a lot of things, and he knew that. But I could see in him then what the world, and especially the star NBA players, would see in him later. At the time, Phil was a key role player on the New York Knicks teams that had won NBA championships in 1970 and 73, sharing the court with Jerry Lucas and five other future Hall of Famers. And very notably, in the process, Jackson also absorbed the principles of winning basketball from the Knicks head coach, Red Holzman. As a result, as one commentator put it, Phil Jackson won each and everyone's heart, both as an efficient basketball player and as a coach. Phil's coaching wisdom would come from absorbing what he had experienced and translating it into his own assignment. And so what he became so good at was understanding how to wisely lead his followers. Here are a few short quotes from a few of his books. This is how Phil thinks, and it was what he demonstrated to his players. The first quote, Love is the force that ignites the spirit and binds the team together. The second, The strength of the team lies within the individual and the strength of the individual lies within the team. Followed by this, never let your successes go to your head. Never let your failures go to your heart. And this one, leadership is not about forcing your will on others. It's about mastering the art of letting go. And finally, you can't force your will on people. If you want them to act differently, you need to inspire them to change themselves. Phil Jackson has 13 NBA championship rings. Two of those rings are from his time as a player with the New York Knicks. The other 11 are from his time as a coach for the Chicago Bulls and the LA Lakers. Phil was the head coach of the Chicago Bulls from 1989 to 1998, leading them to six NBA championships. It was unprecedented. While in Chicago, he would win six NBA championships with two three-peats, three championships in a row. He did it twice. The 1995-96 Bulls amassed a spectacular regular season of 72 wins and 10 losses, and Phil won 200 games faster than any other coach in history. He then coached the Los Angeles Lakers from 1999 to 2011. The team won five league titles under his leadership. By the end of his career in 2011, Phil would surpass his old coach, Red Auerbach, with the most titles as a head coach in league history. Oh, I left out this quote from Phil. Wisdom is always an overmatch for strength. 
Phil leaned on wisdom first, and he led his teams with wisdom. And he acquired his basketball leadership wisdom from paying very close attention to his former challenging basketball experiences. And how are we to acquire wisdom? Overall wisdom is something God gives to his submitted sons and daughters as we pay close attention to our challenging life experiences. As we talked about last week, experiences like trials and suffering. And by remembering and paying close attention to those learning moments results in wisdom, wisdom that has major benefits. The Bible isn't short on verses which talk about wisdom and its benefits. Here are a few. Proverbs 4.8 If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. And this one? To acquire wisdom is to love yourself. People who cherish understanding will prosper. Proverbs 19.8 And from Proverbs 9.11 Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. So Solomon was describing overall wisdom, like knowing not to put your hand in a fire or knowing the importance of getting a good night's sleep. And then there are those moments, like later today maybe, when we need specific wisdom on a certain matter. Like what you're to say when you meet up with a friend that you know is in deep emotional distress, who has a problem that you've never encountered before. In our last episode, I talked about the importance of pausing at times, taking some moments to ponder and pray before you make your next move. And in those pausing moments, you simply ask God for it. You ask God for specific wisdom. It's that simple, and it's that profound. James chapter 1, verse 5 is the best go-to verse about this that I can think of. And here it is. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. It's been said that if you read this verse in its context with the surrounding verses, you'll see that James is speaking of wisdom for a particular moment. James is talking about specific wisdom for those times when we just don't know what to do, what the best choice is, which way to go. Those who truly trust God will ask Him for wisdom. And asking God for wisdom is evidence that we trust Him. And James says here that God gives wisdom generously. He doesn't hold back. In fact, God gives wisdom away without criticism or finding fault. He doesn't look at our previous foolish choices and then decide we're not worthy of receiving wisdom from Him. No, He waits to give us wisdom. He wants to give us wisdom and generously. What an amazing promise we have. Our loving and powerful Father in heaven stands by ready and willing to give divine wisdom to those who confidently ask Him. Dear friend, I believe this is really on God's heart for us today. I believe He wants us to understand and remember 
And more importantly, use the spiritual tools, the gifts that are available to us. Please hear this. Given what may lie ahead for you and me, for all God's people, I think this matter of asking for wisdom may prove to be one of the most important spiritual gifts we can have. Dear friend, I urge you to use the gift He has offered you. Let your Heavenly Father be more involved in your life. I urge you to ask Him for wisdom, and I urge you to ask Him often. Dear Father in Heaven, You have already been so good, so generous to us, and You want to give us more. You keep amazing me. With that in mind, and because I trust you, I will ask you for something right now. I ask you to give my friend, your dear one, and me, greater wisdom overall. And when the moment comes, when we just don't know what to do next, please remind us to ask you for wisdom. And one more thing. I ask you to visit my friends, Phil and June, today, wherever they are, and speak your kingdom words to them. Let it be. You've been listening to In Moments Like These with David Graham. If you'd like to contact David or find out more information about In Moments Like These, please visit InMomentsLikeThese.com.